we're starting a new teaching series, which will take us up nearly to Easter. And the word, it's a very, very neat title, because it's just a word. The word is rooted. And uh, over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the sources of our life and strength and joy and peace uh, in the Christian life. And in a minute, Angus is going to be speaking to us, starting where, of course, we ought to start, which is the person of Christ and how Christ himself uh, is our example and much, much more. But first, Chris, could you just come, please, to share the word that God gave you this morning? Hi. Happy New Year. There's a reason I said that. Um, And uh, I'll tell you in a minute. I had a... I felt what God was saying to us was we'd sung a lot about God being near, God being here, God's love being overwhelming. Um, But I felt that what God was saying was we need to do something about it. Because where's near? Near could be there, couldn't it? And, And I had a picture of a waterfall pouring down and, and it was over there. And it was nice here because you got splashed a bit, you know, by God's love. But actually, to be overwhelmed by God's love, I needed to do something about it. I needed to take a step towards God and his love. Now, whether that is for you saying, God, I believe that you've got something for me. I believe that you, you love me. And actually, you know, doing that because, well, you know, why wouldn't you believe? It says in the Bible, doesn't it? And that's true. But we need to take a step towards God at times. Um, and it's like not just taking a step towards God, but it says in Philippians, forgetting what happened in the past. Forgetting what's just God on and every day taking a new step towards God with a new attitude of finding out what God's got for us. Thanks. Angus, do you come? And uh, let's open our hearts to hear God's word to us through Angus now. Well, good morning. Um, my name's Angus, and uh, I was just meeting uh, Danny and Mary, actually, and we, we hadn't properly um, met before, but it reminded me that not everyone will know me, uh, so my name's Angus, and I've been connected with um, OCC for a long time, from uh, 1988, uh, and I was um, part of the church for, uh, for a while, for about five years, up till 93. Uh, and then we were away, partly in Turkey, uh, and then um, we came back in 2008, uh, and we've been members here uh, since 2008. Um, and um, you know, back in '92, we were married. Um, uh, Steve Thomas preached at our our wedding in in '92, and then uh, what happened was we. We worked in Oxford for a few months, and um, I worked in a little shop in Little Clarendon Street. It was called uh, Science Studio. I don't know if any of you remember Science Studio. 
Um, but uh, w- what it was, it was a shop that sold kind of um, gadgets and gizmos and stuff like that. I was, I was a sales assistant. And, uh, of course, we had the problem occasionally that, uh, you know, people would nick stuff from the shop. So uh, what I tried to do was I tried to, you know, keep my eye on people coming in, in the shop in the nicest possible way, you know, make sure they, that, that they weren't going to take anything away. Well, one day... Uh, my manager was kind of, you know, making signals at me like this, kind of. So I looked over, and uh, and there was this guy who'd just come in the shop, and uh, he he just kind of he looked a little bit suspicious, you know, quite kind of difficult to put your finger on it really, but you know, I I definitely kind of locked onto him. Uh, and I watched it, and he was going around looking at various things. And as I watched him, I had this kind of feeling. There was a kind of, you know, I knew he was familiar from somewhere. Uh, but I, I couldn't quite, he had his back to me, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I, I was kind of trying to work it out. And also, I was thinking, you know, is this, is this guy a shoplifter? Who, who is this guy exactly? I've got quite large, distinctive ears, and, um, and, then, and then he turned round, uh, and it dawned on me, this, this is who it was, it was Rowan Atkinson, who'd, who'd come in to do some Christmas shopping, but the, the thing was, you know, I, I was kind of looking at him thinking, this guy's a shoplifter, you know, got to keep my eye on him. I mean, actually, it could have got a lot worse, couldn't it? It could have, there could have been a kind of Mr. Bean moment. You know, I could have kind of rugby tackled him or something. Um, that's how it would have been in a film. But thankfully, I was spared that embarrassment. But the, the reason for um, starting with that was, was really to say that, you know, recognition can take a little bit of time. It can, it can take a little bit of time to work out who somebody really is. And um, that's true also of the person of Christ. It, it does take time to, uh, to, to understand the person of Christ. And uh, this is what the early church found. And we'll, we'll be looking at that just a little bit later. But firstly, I wanted to ask the question, um, who does theology? Right? And this is a real question so you can you can answer who does theology theologians, theologians. thank you good yes we all, we all do right any other go ahead sorry yeah kcc certainly do theology that's right i mean we all do i i i agree. we all do so in a way we're all theologians there's even an argument for saying, you know, uh, atheists also do theology, you know, because they, they think things about God, they say things about God, they're making theological statements. But we're going to just kind of skate over that, actually. Um, and um, we're going to say that, that really we all do theology, and I would like us to try and do a bit of theology together this morning. So I'm going to ask you some questions as well. We're going to get some participation. Uh, Danny said, is it okay if, if he heckles? And, uh, and, I, and I kind of said, I said, 
I think so. I think it's okay. You know, it kind of depends what he says, really, you know, but... So, uh, yeah, I took a risk anyway and said it was okay. Uh, another thing is, um, is showing our working. You know, I, I checked with uh, Richard. Richard was, was there he is. Uh, I checked with Richard on Facebook, and apparently math teachers still say, show your working, right? Uh, I remember math teachers saying that to me uh, when I was at school, show your working. And this is kind of an important thing for, uh, for us in, in looking at the, the person of Christ, because we have some really great kind of formulations of uh, the Christian faith regarding the person of Christ, but... What we want to try and do is, is to show our working, to show how we got to those, um, to those formulations. So we'll, hopefully we'll do a little bit of that. Now the puzzle of Christ. You know, why is it that we're taking um, some time to, to think about this subject of, of the person of Christ? And, uh, and I did a little kind of, uh, almost like a little uh, survey on Facebook last night, I said I'd be talking about this subject, and I said, if it was you, what would you say? And uh, Jeremy said, uh, Christ is a person, right? That's what you said, wasn't it? So, so should I just leave it at that and go and sit down, or, or what? No, I, I think there's, there's more to it than that. What is the puzzle of Christ? Um, it's something that uh, the early church thought about for centuries. In fact, it wasn't until 451 AD um, that at the Council of Chalcedon, there was a kind of final answer um, to this question that, um, that met with some kind of consensus. So why was that? Well, if we go on to the next slide, um, we see... Uh, Scripture from John 4, from verse 3. If you've got Bibles, please turn to John 4. Otherwise, um, do follow on the PowerPoint with me. So John 4, and reading from verse 3. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. This is Jesus. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. So this is, this is all very ordinary, isn't it? You know, Jesus is traveling, he's tired, he's thirsty. He says to the Samaritan woman, give me a drink. So Jesus is operating uh, in his human nature at this point, right? It's, it's all absolutely clear. We've got, we've got no problems. We've got no questions here. On to the next slide. Uh, reading from verse 9. 
the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. So Jesus says, if you knew who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink. If you knew who it is. So we're back with the question of Jesus' identity. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is this person? Now, I would describe this as one of those playful passages of scripture. And uh, it's one of the, the reasons that I love the Bible, is that uh, the, the, the Bible it has, has so many kind of playful passages in it. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, who's asking whom for a drink here? You know, is, is who's offering whom? Is Jesus offering the woman, or is the woman offering Jesus a drink? What's going on? It's a little bit like, you know, if you're hosting someone in your home, uh, and, you, and you want to offer them a cup of tea, and they say, yes, all right, thank you very much. Uh, and then they say, but really, I should be offering you a cup of tea. And you kind of think, well, what do you mean? You, you just come through my door, I want to give you a cup of tea, why are you offering me tea? And then they might say, well, I own all the tea in China, you know? I mean, it's, it's a kind of, you know, it's a playful thing, and I think what, what God does is he, he, um, he's, he's using this playfulness to kind of shake us out of our preconceptions, to take us by surprise, and he does that Um, in order to make us more receptive. In this passage, we have the Samaritan woman becoming receptive, and we have many people in that area who become receptive. Go on to the next slide. So reading from verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, You have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Again, the question is, who are you? Who is Jesus? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Here Jesus comes to the point. He offers the woman eternal life. Uh, And he's absolutely clear. He's absolutely explicit. He says, the water that I will give So he's not directing her to some other source of water. He's saying, I will give you water 
that will become a spring in you that will bubble up to eternal life. So Jesus is offering the woman eternal life. And surely only God can do that. This passage points us clearly to Christ's divine nature. The fact that when we're talking about Jesus, we can only talk in terms of God when we do that. It's the only accurate way that we can talk about the Jesus who appears in these verses. So in this passage, in this one passage, we have a Jesus who is tired and thirsty, and we have a Jesus who offers eternal life. We have a human Jesus, and we have a divine Jesus in this one passage. So we see these two natures in, in Jesus. We see the divine nature and the human nature. Now, uh, I am going to ask you to do a little bit of work with me very quickly. I'm going to ask you to think of scriptures, and we'll see, we'll see whether this works or not. I thought I'd kind of experiment a little bit this morning <laughs> and see whether it works. We've got um, two mics, Steve and Joe very kindly said they would help me, and my question is, um, over here, I think this is the more spiritual side of the room. <laughs> so I'm going to say, you know, can you quickly think of scriptures that uh, this side of the room is looking very fed up now. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a joke. This side of the, this side of the room, um, can you think of scriptures that, that point to, the, to Jesus' divine nature? Can you think of those quickly? And on this side, I want you to think of scriptures that point to the human nature of Christ. And so these guys are going to go around now, and we're quickly going to pick up some of those scriptures. So can you, we'll start with the divine nature. So we've got, we've got one here. Thanks, Al. Philippians 2, Christ being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Great, thanks. Perfect. Another one there. I think Hugh's got an offer there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Brilliant. Um, when Jesus was baptized, God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Yep, brilliant. Perfect. We'll, we'll stick with three. three. Three on this side from the human nature. Human nature. <coughs> When Lazarus died, <coughs> Jesus wept. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, he was tired at one point, definitely, I think, before the feeding of 5,000, maybe. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, yep. Jesus gets tired. Um, I think it's Luke 4, where um, after Jesus had been tempted... Um, he, it was written that he was hungry. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Should we stick with three? Um, yeah, Luke 23. Uh, and having said this, he breathed his last. Right. Died. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thanks ever so much. Well, I'm glad it worked because uh, 
So that's what I meant um, by um, wanting, wanting us to do some theology together and, and kind of showing our working, right? Because this is what the early church was, was grappling with. There are, there are scriptures that point to the divine nature and there are scriptures that point to the human nature. And um, the early church was, was grappling with how to, how to think about these things at the same time. Now, I'm going uh, to take another chance and I'm going to ask you another question and see what you think. How does this work, right? So we've got the divine nature and we've got the human nature. How does this work? I mean, um, I hope this doesn't sound uh, irreverent, but, you know, is it like a kind of cafe latte kind of combination where you've got a kind of blend? I mean, forgive me for the... Forgive me for the illustration, but you see what I mean. Or, or how do these natures combine? Now, Eutyches thought that, that there was a blend, that before the incarnation, there were two natures, and then there was one after the incarnation. So, so it was a kind of cafe latte approach to the two natures of Christ. My question is, and we'll, we will pick these up with microphones if, if we may. Um, my question is, um, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with cafe latte thinking about the two natures? Have you got any, have you got any suggestions? Thanks, Danny. God's black. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I, do, I like those kind of interventions. Part, part of the reason I do this is that, you know, I'm not that good at jokes. So, so when, you know, that, the, seriously, that is part of... So other people kind of, you know, bring a joke and it, and it helps the process along. So there's another one here. don't know if this is a joke or not. He's got... I'm not sure how that would fit with the word became flesh rather than combined with flesh. Chocolate and chili thing. Because okay. chocolate and chili shouldn't go together, but they really do. <laughs> yeah, like it. Okay, any more for any more? There's one over there. Oh, sorry. We'll, t- we'll take Joe's first and then we'll go down here. Well, the problem with the Kefalati of two natures that came together would imply he'd changed. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. We'll take, we'll take this one and, and this will be our last one. So if he's a blend, then he couldn't be fully God and fully man. Yeah, yeah. I think the scriptures do say he was fully God and fully yeah. man. Yeah. Um, okay, so, I mean, you know, what do I know, right? But, but for, my, for my money, um, I would say that, um, you know, when you've got a blend, you, you don't have either of the original ingredients. You've got a, you've got a third product, Got a, you've got something that's different, right? And uh, in, in the person of Christ, what we have is something, we have a nature which is completely divine and we have a nature which is completely human. And what we see is that Christ operates in one, he operates in the divine nature and 
he operates in the human nature. Okay? So, that, so they're not blended, um, but they are actually uh, separate natures. And, and that, was, that was one of the elements of um, the, uh, the Chalcedon Creed. Um, right, now, um, my, my title was, um, was being rooted in the person of Christ. And I'd like us to just think about that for a few minutes. What's it mean to be uh, rooted in the person of Christ? And um, next slide, please. Um, So here are some plants which are rooted in soil. And uh, I don't know if we have any wine lovers uh, in the congregation. Yeah, we've got got a few by the look of it. There's a a wine called uh, Sancerre, which is a a Loire wine. And um, people who know about wine, I, I know just a little bit, but... But I would say as well that you can, in, in the kind of crisp flavor of Sancerre, you can taste the limestone that the vines are, are planted in. Adrienne's kind of laughing at me. She doesn't, she doesn't believe me, really. But I, I, I would maintain, and I submit to you, that... that <laughs> she's mocking me a little bit over there, but... I would maintain that the, that the quality of the soil contributes to the, to the taste of the wine. Okay, So the person of Christ, uh, as we're rooted in who Christ is, then actually that brings about uh, changes in, in who we are. We're transformed as we put our roots into the nature of Christ. Uh, another example that I'd want to offer to you is, is that um, you know, it, it's a bit like a house, right? Where being in Christ is, is like our location. It's where we are. And this phrase, in Christ, appears again and again in the New Testament. It's such, such an important phrase. And where we are, where we're located as believers is in Christ, it's in this home, it's in this house, which is Christ. And that house, that home, is where we encounter God. What we need to do is we need to come to Christ, we need to live in Christ, we need to be located in Christ. And as we do that, as we do that, um, the house rules begin to apply to us. We... We meet with God who, who lives in Christ. And also, um, you know, we begin, to, we begin to behave in accordance with the house rules. There's, there's one illustration in, in the next slide here. This is um, outside uh, my friend's house in, in Turkey. That's in Malatya, actually. And what does this say? Well, this says simply that Turkish house rules say that you take off your outside shoes when you go into the house. Um, and so, so and your, your host will actually give you slippers usually, you know, and you wear those slippers in, in the house. Entering the house, entering Christ, 
and being located in Christ changes us. So what does this mean for us in our everyday lives? We'll move on to this next slide. Um, I've, got, I've got three points. I want us to focus on the incarnation. The incarnation is, is at the centre of um, the person of Christ. And, th- and that's why I just wanted that to be um, the focus for this last section. I want to suggest to you that the incarnation invites us to a holistic way of life, that the incarnation invites us to mission, and that the incarnation invites us to stand with each other in pastoral care. The incarnation invites us to a holistic way of life. Right, a little bit more interaction now, I think. Um, I want to ask you if you made any New Year's resolutions. And are are there any people who are brave enough to share uh, one of their New Year's resolutions with us? Again, this is where I hope that uh, people participate. I I know that, you know... Any resolutions? There's one here, thank you. I'm going to learn a new form of dance. Oh, wow. That's great. Fantastic. Any others? Uh, I've decided I want to try and be more thankful this year. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I think there's... Is there there one right at the back? There's one just there. I think there's one nice My husband's New Year's resolution was to come to church every Sunday, but he's not here today, so I'm sure. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, right at the back. To not pass up on new opportunities. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's go on to the next slide. Uh, Now, this is something that that I just, I offer it to you. Uh, It may be helpful, I don't know. And we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on it. But if you feel like, you know, New Year is a time when you want to be kind of uh, looking ahead and setting patterns for, for this New Year, then this might be something that you could think about and I can send it to you. Just contact me uh, and I'll send it to you. It's a rule of life. The thing about the incarnation is that, is that Jesus became uh, human. He t- the word took on human form, took on a human body and lived a perfect life. And so what I'm suggesting to you uh, is that the incarnation teaches us that, that salvation, living a life for God, is not about uh, just leaving the physical body. And, and it's not a kind of just a spiritual transaction. But it's about something that transforms the whole of our lives. 
It transforms the way we rest. It transforms the way we play. It transforms uh, our work, our devotions, and our relationships. And so uh, a rule of life can be something that that can help us look at life um, holistically. We'll just move on to the to the next slide. But I, I can send that to you if, you, if you'd like that and um, a bit more thought on, on how that can be used. Secondly, I want to say that the incarnation uh, invites us to mission. God chose to, send, to save the human race by sending his son to become one of us. And um, the incarnation is about going to people about adapting to them and about standing with them. And that, that adaptation uh, takes time. Uh, I remember we'd been in, in Turkey for, for five years and uh, we'd, we'd moved to another city uh, and, and we just had these fantastic uh, neighbours next to us. And uh, I'd gone to, uh, to set up home for Elizabeth and the kids and um, you know, next door just kept sending food over, you know. And this this was, you know, this is deep in, in Turkish culture is to is to share food, to be hospitable. And after some weeks, we 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 wanted to say to them, please don't send any more food. You know, that's thank you so much. But you know, we were just kind of embarrassed by how much kindness they'd shown to us. And we tried to talk to them, and it just didn't go down well. Because the thing was, uh, they wanted us to, to accept what they were offering. You know, um, For them, it was much more important that we accepted their hospitality and their gifts than um, that we said, no, you don't need to do all this work for us. They were happy to do the work. They just wanted us to accept their friendship. And I, and I think that, you know, that's, that's true in mission. And I think that's why we need to think long-term when we're thinking about cross-cultural mission. And it's why preparation for mission takes a long time. Um, but it's also true in, in reaching out uh, to people here in Oxford. And, and I just wanted to say that I think there's a tie-in with, with missional communities here. I think that uh, it makes complete sense that... Um, that different groups within the church should should reach out to different groups within society, within this community uh, of Oxford, and try and adapt to them in order and, and stand with them in order that they can encounter God. So, to me, missional communities is is a perfect outworking of incarnational mission. And I want to just offer a third point in closing. The incarnation is about God's solidarity with us. Uh, at our point of need, uh, God came in the, in the form of a human being to, to meet with us. God becomes like us in order that we can become like him. 
And uh, in every community, there, there are people who are in need. And the, the incarnation is, I want to suggest to you, is a, is a movement of God. It's a movement of God towards us to become one of us and to stand with us. And that's tremendously important for, for pastoral care, for caring for one another. Now, I've experienced this in my own life. We, as many of you know, we had some tough times in Turkey, especially at the end. Uh, we were rather bruised and battered when we came back to Oxford. And there were people who, who stood with us. And uh, they, that standing with us, it wasn't an explaining what had happened. But it was a standing with us that enabled transformation to take place. And that, and that transformation has taken place to, to a large extent. Uh, I, I mean, Keith in particular stood with me uh, and helped me find strength in God. And so I think I'd, I'd want to say to you um, today... In any of these three areas, uh, can we stand with you this morning? Can we, can we pray with you for transformation? Uh, can we stand with you uh, and pray that in this new year, you'll see new life in, uh, in the patterns you set for your life, in the way that you do mission, uh, and in pastoral care for one another. Uh, we want to stand with you. I'd love to, to pray with you this morning. I'm sure others would, would love to pray with you. If, you. if you'd like to make that, that fresh start this morning uh, and move on with God. So I'm going to invite the, the band, if you may, to just come up and, and play a little bit. I'm going to pray for us all together. Uh, and then the band is going to is going to play and and if you would like somebody to stand with you to stand and, and express that that solidarity which is the kind of incarnational god is god is with you god is with you this morning and he wants you to know that transformation uh, if you'd like someone to to stand and pray with you do do come forward when, uh, when I finish. But I'm just going to pray first. Father God, we thank you so much for coming and becoming and sending your son to, to become one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking on human nature. Thank you for the, the wonderful solidarity that you've expressed towards us. Thank you for standing with us. And Lord, we want to we want to stand with others. We want to stand with those who don't know you. And we want to stand with those who are in pain. 
So we say, uh, come Holy Spirit. Come and open our eyes. Come and help us understand and realize afresh that you're with us. That you're one of us. That you love us and that you want us to know transformation. You want us to know your love in the deepest possible way. Christ, God in Christ, uh, became as we are so that we might become like him. Uh, God in Christ became as we are so that we might become like him. It's not that we become divine, but we can live lives that, that are divinely ordered divinely empowered saturated with divine love we can have a good life and we can connect to people the people of God and to others too as our lives become as his Thier has a word to share and then we're going to sing together testify about God's grace on Friday on the way home from school I crashed my car and I crashed my car into somebody else um, which is a horrific thing to do and almost put somebody else through when you've got your own kids and somebody else's kids in your car and yet yesterday I was concerned for the lady that I'd hit because she then span and hit somebody else and I really wanted to ring her and find out if she was actually okay, but didn't feel that I could because if it was the other way around, I wasn't sure that I'd be very gracious about it. About an hour later, she rang me to make sure that the kids were okay and that everybody was all right. And I then heard last night that the other person that she then hit is actually next door neighbors of somebody in the church in Cote who was amazed by how completely honest I was and kind of said, I'm really sorry I never saw you and was really, um, it really impressed on him, just something of, I don't know, it impressed something on him, but it witnessed to him in a way as something that he didn't expect in that situation. And it's God's given me grace in somewhere where I could feel very condemned and I felt God say that there might be some people who were feeling condemned this morning condemnation isn't from God and he wants to show you his grace so as the band play um, let us again come before God you've heard much about his love this morning uh, let's invite him in afresh to transform us that we might become more like him live like him experience his life and as Angus has said the way in which God came down from heaven and came close to us is something that we want to mirror this morning in standing with each other in prayer and it may be that sat where you are there's someone that you can ask to pray with you but actually 
on behalf of the church as a whole, there'll be some of us here at the front who would just love to be able to stand with you and to pray for you and to be as Christ in coming close and bringing the life of God and the power of God to you this morning. So feel free to come forward and uh, the band will lead us.